starting a series today on Sunday mornings. I want you if, you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Very excited about what we're going to be studying and the, word, the words that the Lord has given to me from His Word. Luke chapter 11, we're going to begin reading in verse 14. We're going to read 14 and 15, and then we're going to skip down a little bit. Luke eleven fourteen, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Skip down to verse 19. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore shall they, they be your judges. But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unto you. That last verse is what we're going to talk about today and what the Lord has given us to study and to, and to open up and feast upon here today. If I, he says, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unto you. When uh, Moses was in Egypt and God had sent him to, to bring the people of God out of Egypt and out of slavery, and he went before Pharaoh and he did uh, different miracles. <clears throat> and there was one particular miracle where, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, where the Lord commanded, the Lord said, Moses, tell, tell uh, Aaron to smite the dust with his staff. And he smote the dust of the ground with his staff, and the, the dust became lice. And, and the lice were upon all the people. And the magicians tried to do so, it says, with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and beast, and the magician said unto Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. This is the finger of God. And we just read Jesus is casting out devils. They accused him of casting out devils by Beelzebub. Beelzebub was the most abominable idol god that you could have, the dunghill, the lord of the flies, okay, the dunghill. He was the god of the dunghill. And they accused Jesus of, by that god, casting demons out. And, and the Lord says, no, look, who, who do your sons cast them out by? He says, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, that same account is given in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew's, it's written, if I, by the Spirit of God. That finger of God is equivalent to the Spirit of God. If I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's what we're going to talk about, the fact that the kingdom of God has come upon us. How had the kingdom of God, it wasn't the millennial reign, it wasn't the new Jerusalem, it wasn't where Satan was bound up and, and out of the picture. How had the kingdom of God come up unto them? He says, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. The kingdom of, of God had come in the presence of the king, in the person's, uh, person of the king. The fact that Jesus Christ was there with them. That's how the kingdom had come. And Jesus Christ was not merely another prophet. I know that you know these things, but it needs to be said, not merely another prophet. Not a prophet. He was not another godly or good man, but he was God in the flesh. 
He was God in the flesh. And he was declaring to the people that were standing there that he was the son of God. The kingdom had come in the presence or the person of the king. The fact that the king was there is how the kingdom had come. And in reality, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. We're doing a, we're doing a study today, y'all, on the, the deity of Christ, on really Christ. We're doing a study on the doctrine of Christ, not just what he taught, but we'll talk about that more in some weeks to follow. But we're doing a study on the doctrine of Christ, Christ himself who he is, what he is, and who he is and was. And so um, we studied two weeks ago the second coming of the Lord, where, where John writes in John chapter, I mean, Revelation 1, 7, he says, Behold, he cometh, and every eye shall see him, right? And, and he says, Even so, come, Lord. And even so, amen. And then we studied last, uh, I'm sorry, three weeks ago, two weeks ago on Christmas Day, we studied the first coming of the Lord. The angel said, uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Okay? But here we're studying the life, the, the, excuse me, the ministry, <coughs> the doctrine of Christ, who and what he is and was. I want to read this. I'm going to give a lot of scriptures in this study, all, a whole lot, because <coughs> there's much written about it because the Lord wants us to know, to be no confusion, who Jesus was on the earth, who he is who he was before he came to this earth. Amen. And so I'll, I'm going to reference some of the scriptures if you want to write them down. But if you have a notebook, I believe this would be a great study to take notes, at least the uh, at least the scriptures where we're getting them from. Second John chapter one, verse nine, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the father and the son. So he's talking there about abiding in the doctrine of Christ, okay? One of the things we're going to talk about in, in this lesson today, focus primarily on this, but in all the lessons on this, in this series, is the deity of the Lord. The deity of the Lord is so important, y'all. It can't be overstated, the fact, the deity of Christ. Now, the word deity is actually not found in the Bible. You won't find that word in the English word deity, but the deity of Christ is clearly revealed all through the scriptures. Okay, you won't find the word Trinity written in the Bible. But the Trinity is clearly revealed in scriptures all through the Bible. So the deity of Christ, what does it mean? If you just look up that word, the definition in a secular dictionary <coughs> means the divine status. Divine status, quality, or nature. What does it mean divine? It means it's of God. Okay, pertaining to God. This is not a word that, that can be applied to very many things. Okay, divine status, quality, or nature. And the second definition in the, in the secular dictionary, dictionary is the, the creator with a capital C and supreme being in a monotheistic religion such as Christianity. Okay, that's the definition. Okay, the creator and supreme being in a monotheistic religion such as Christianity. Now, the world has varied opinions on Jesus. They're varied and various. The world's religions have different opinions and estimations of Jesus Christ. But the only right belief or estimation of Jesus is that he is Lord. 
and that he is the God in the flesh. That's the only one that counts. That's the only one that's real. That's the only one that matters, that Jesus Christ was God incarnate, that he was almighty God. Okay? The Bible says uh, very clearly in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, with capital W. The beginning was the Word. When was that? The beginning. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that is made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. That's the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And we're told the word became flesh. Who became flesh? The, the one that was in the beginning with God and was God. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. Any other belief or estimation of Jesus Christ or opinion of Jesus Christ other than that he was God incarnate is false. It is unprofitable. Any other belief? I'm going to read this. 1 Timothy 3.16. Some will turn to and read some. I'm just going to read, but I'm telling you where they, they come from. 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the, manifest in the flesh. So I'll stop right there and say, who was manifest in the flesh? What does the scripture just say? God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Almighty God was manifest in the flesh. It's an amazing thing. And Paul says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. That's our God. And that's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Any other belief about Jesus cannot save? It cannot save a man because that is another Jesus. What are you talking about another Jesus? Well, the Bible speaks of another Jesus. Paul says to the Corinthians, he said, There's, uh, I'm worried about you. You need to be established in the truth. Because if somebody else came and preached another gospel, I believe you would believe them. He was concerned about them. He said, there's another gospel. There's another spirit. And there is another Jesus. So I could say there's more than one. There are other gospels. There are other spirits besides the Holy Spirit. And there are other Jesuses besides the Jesus of the scriptures. The only one that's going to do anybody any good is the true Jesus of the scriptures. Amen. <clears throat> the one that we believe in. There are others. But we're going to study the Christ in this study. God incarnate. What does it say in... in <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. What does it say in Isaiah 9? We hear it all the time uh, at Christmas time. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Okay, so there's a child that's born and a son that's given. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. Who is he? And his name shall be called. Wonderful. Counselor. Now this one's really something. The mighty God. You have to take a step back and scratch your head and say, God, give me faith to believe and to understand it. We just marvel at it. We just marvel at it. The child that's born, the son that's given, his name will be called the mighty God, the everlasting father. It's just, it's just wonderful. I don't know. It's just amazing that the Lord, um, great is the mystery of godliness. The prince of peace. 
And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David to establish it with justice and judgment forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. The Lord did it. He did it. He sent Jesus the first time. Okay? That babe born in a manger. But that babe born in the manger is the almighty God. The everlasting father. Jesus Christ was and is the son of man. He called himself that many times. And the son of God. On this earth and in his fleshly body he was a son of man. Not a son of Adam. Not a son of the carnal nature of Adam and that carnal sinful nature of man. He had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that. But he was the son of man. He was found in the likeness and fashion and form of a man. But not in sinful, with the sinful uh, nature at all of Adam. He was not of that race. He was the second Adam. The Bible says, <clears throat> son of man and the son of God. No one else is that. No one else ever could be that. Christ stands alone. This is one of the things of all the things we study in this, in this series is to make that point so clear. Christ stands alone. He stands alone. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had a promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're talking about him primarily today in this message about him being the son of God. Deity, okay? Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, that would be the son of man part, and declared to be the son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. I want to read this. <clears throat> we all know who Napoleon Bonaparte was. Famous French uh, world conqueror of his day. Now, it is, it is well reported by historians that this is an accurate quote from Napoleon Bonaparte. I'm not talking about anything about his religion or Christianity. I want you to hear what he says about Jesus. Okay, so just listen to this. I know men, and I tell you, Jesus is not a man. He commands us to believe and gives no other reason than his awful word, I am God. Philosophers try to solve the mysteries of the universe by their empty dissertations. Fools. They are like the infant that cries to have the moon as a plaything. Christ never hesitates. He speaks with authority. His religion is a mystery, but it subsists by its own force. He seeks and absolutely requires the love of men, the most difficult thing in the world to claim. Alexander, Caesar, Hannibal conquered the world, but they had no friends. I founded my empire upon what? Force. Jesus founded his empire on love, and at this hour, millions would die for him. What an abyss between my misery and the eternal kingdom of Christ, who is proclaimed, loved, adored, and which is extending over the earth. Is this death? <clears throat> is this death? I'll tell you, the death of Christ is the death of a God. I'll tell you, Jesus Christ is God. Now, that's an amazing statement. I think it's one more, probably more 
than most Christians would say about Jesus Christ. He's not a man. He was a son of man, the son of God, but he's the everlasting father that became flesh and dwelt among us for a very specific purpose. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk about his ministry and his power and things like that in his birth. And we're going to talk about all these things in the, in the coming weeks. I want you to uh, hear this scripture from 1 John 5, 20. And we know the Son of God has come. We're talking about him today about being the, him being the Son of God. We know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is truth, true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. 2 John chapter 1, verse 3. Grace be unto you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. <clears throat> Where do we go to find out about Jesus? I know it's a, a no-brainer for you. Where do we go to find out about the deity of Christ? We go to the Word of God. We go to the Holy Scriptures. We don't go to the world's opinions about who Jesus was. He was a good man and so forth. We get the world's opinions. We, we go to the Bible. We go to the scriptures to find out the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the person of Christ. We learn about his deity from the word of God. This is how we know the Lord. Amen. We know it from the word of God. If we receive the witness of men, 1 John 5, 9, the witness of God is greater. This is the witness of God, which he had testified of his son. I love that scripture because this to me puts down all the arguments, even the argument that I would have. Okay, God gave a record of his son and he's saying this is the one you need to believe. You can't believe any Jesus you want and I can't believe any Jesus I want and create some kind of Jesus I want and put my faith in that and think I'm going to be okay. I need to believe in the Jesus of the Bible. I'm going to read it again. First John 5 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. This is the witness of God, which he had testified of his son. How is he testified? He's testified by the word of God. He's testified by the Holy Spirit. He's testified of the Lord Jesus by the resurrection. He's testified of, of uh, angels and men that have testified. But it's his witness of the son. And that's the only one that counts. If you were to come and try to tell me somebody that really didn't know me well or my family well and tell me all about William, you know, my, my oldest son, and I say, that's not, he's my son. I know him well. This, you're not describing my son at all. We need to go to God's declaration and witness and testimony of his son. And we find it right here in the word of God. Amen. We don't have to search high and low for it. I don't have to go search and find some, some special rabbi, priest, or anyone else up sitting up on top of a mountain somewhere that can tell me how to get eternal life and so forth. We have the witness of Christ that God the Father gave of his son, his only son. And he sets him apart from all others. He is set apart. And if we haven't set him apart, we need to. He needs to be set apart a million light years from anyone else and anything else. He's the son of God. So we talk about Jesus being the son of God. And the Bible says he's the only begotten son of God. And I want you to uh, just listen to this scripture. <clears throat> when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, okay, told her she was going to have a son. And she says, how that, can that be? I haven't had a relationship with a man. And the angel says, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. 
and the Lord God shall give him the throne of his father, David. Not like anyone else. There's a lot of wonderful men of God and women of God, people that have been born through the, through the ages, people we read about in the Bible that were actually prophesied before they were born. John the Baptist was one. Had a wonderful ministry, the greatest of all prophets, Jesus said. But none, none is, is within any range of Jesus Christ. He is so far above and so far set apart. <clears throat> when the Bible says, that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Have you all ever heard of the Watchtower Society, the Watchtower Bible, right? That is the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses Bible. You know, and the world would say, and maybe Christians that don't, don't know, immature, don't know the Bible, they would say, well, we're all Christians. Jehovah, they're a little different. Jehovah's Witnesses. The Mormons are a little different. You know, that's another Jesus. That's another Jesus. They need to be born again because what they have believed in is false. Well, I know some nice people that are Mormons. Well, I do too. Well, I know some nice people that are Jehovah's Witnesses. I actually don't know very many Jehovah's Witnesses. But it's not enough to say that they're nice people or good people. Let me tell you why. The Watchtower Bible, they have their own translation of the Bible. And in their Bible, and when everyone, any Jehovah's Witness comes knocking at your door, they've come knocking at my door. Sometimes we hide and we pretend like we're not home. I think sometimes we ought to answer the door. Not to get in an argument, but maybe, maybe the God will hit one of them with the fear of God. You understand what I'm saying? I'll say to them sometimes, what is, read John 1, 1 to me in your Bible. So they open up their, God, their Bible, the Watchtower Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Time out, right? We can stop right there. I don't have to go any further in my discussions with you and about the prophecies or anything like that, or the religious leaders of Jehovah's Witness or any other of their beliefs. We can stop right there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. He was not a God. He was the everlasting Father. He was Almighty God in the flesh. And if you don't believe that, then that's, not, that's, a, that's a false belief. That is not true. What is the Mormons belief? And I'm getting ahead of myself because one of our whole sermons is going to be on the different opinions of Jesus. So I'm going to stop there for that right now. I want to read this. <clears throat> I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. I'm going to tell you where they're coming from. Matthew 26, 63. This is Jesus at his mock trial. <clears throat> Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. They're, they're pleading with him. Now, everything he had done up to this, he's about to be crucified. Everything he had done in his life was a fulfillment of scriptures. Every, where he was born, everything, the miracles, everything he said, everything proved him to be the Son of God. They actually watched him, many of them, raise Lazarus from the dead. And they're still saying right here, we, at his trial, tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. They weren't asking him, tell us if you're a prophet. Tell us if you're a good man, a special rabbi. They said, tell us if you are the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God. In Matthew 4, 
Verse 6, Jesus is tempted. He's, he's baptized in the Jordan River. The Holy Ghost descends upon him. The Holy Ghost leads him or almost drives him out into the wilderness where he fasts 40 days and nights to be tempted of the devil. That's the reason he went there. So he's physically weak, but he was strong in, in the Lord, okay, and filled with the Spirit. He was strong. And the devil comes to him and says, if, that little word if, just like the little word A in the Watchtower Bible, okay, A God. Here the devil says to Jesus, after he's fasted 40 days and night, nights, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give us angels charge concerning thee. Okay, they're going to bury you up if you're the son of God. Now, I'll say right here, Satan is always, this has to do with this study. Satan is always trying to put in doubt that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's always trying to put, among, among other things, he's trying to put in doubt. This is one thing he's trying to put in doubt. And so doubt and confusion into people's minds and in hearts, their hearts. Uncertainty. He wants to sow uncertainty if you're the son of God. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus know he was the son of God? Yes. Did the devil know he was the son of God? Yes. The devils believed and trembled, the Bible says. You know, there was a demon-possessed man that lived in the tombs. And Jesus gets off the boat on the shore. And the man comes running to him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him and said, what have I to do with thee, thou Jesus, the Son of the Most High? He knew. The devils in him knew. Satan knew that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the, the God. But, but he says, if you're the Son of God. He always wants to put in question, bring a little bit of doubt. Just bring a little bit of doubt. Jesus knew he was God. The devil knew he was God. There was no confusion about it. Don't let the devil bring that into your heart or mind or life. Matthew 27, I'll be reading several scriptures. This is when he was hanging on the cross and the Jews were mocking him and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. If you are, if you are, if you're the Son of God, save yourself. No, if he's the Son of God, he's going to stay right there and die and on the third day rise again in power and ascend to the right hand of the Father for your sins. If he's the Son of God, that's what he's going to do. Because that's what he came to be, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. They say they would believe if he came down from the cross. They would not have believed. Did he got down the, from the cross and went and shook their hands, they wouldn't have believed. Their hearts were hard. It was an evil heart of unbelief. They said he trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, this is important, he said, I am the son of God. They're quoting Jesus, his own words, back to him. Now, when the centurions and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake, that's when he gave up the ghost, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. The Roman centurions believed this really was the Son of God when they saw the things that were done. I'm going to read from John chapter 1. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son of God, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The only begotten. Okay? This is, that's verse 18. Here's verse 34 and 49. So uh, John the Baptist said, And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Philip went and found Nathanael. You know that encounter? Andrew brought Peter to Jesus, and then 
Philip went and found Nathaniel, and, and he comes and, and he sees the Lord. And Jesus, when he sees him, even coming up to him, he says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And Nathaniel's like, How do you know me? I'm, we've never met before. Nathaniel, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This man believes. He says, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. The son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. That's not an evil heart of unbelief. That's faith and believing. You know what Jesus told him? Oh, let me tell you something, Nathaniel. Because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You're going to see greater things than this. From henceforth, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending upon the son of God. His eyes were open. But he's the Christ. He said, Rabbi, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Now, here's an argument that people give. I've heard it before myself. When you're talking to people that are skeptics or I would say even liberal Christianity, which to me is not real Christianity, and they'll say, well, I don't, we don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. We don't actually believe Jesus was God. Okay, like I said, the the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that that was uh, Michael the archangel that became, took on a, a bodily form and died and then, and then went back to being Michael the archangel after the death and burial, okay, and resurrection. That's a, that's a lie. It's a false doctrine. But the point is you'll hear people say, we don't, we don't believe that Jesus was God. We don't believe in his deity, and that's what we're talking about. Yes, son of God, we can buy that, but we can't buy equal with God, God in the flesh. And they also say, and besides this, Jesus never claimed to be God. Let me ask you this, just in your knowledge of the scriptures, did Jesus ever claim to be God? Many times, okay? Just to, so it's clear. That's absolutely not true. Absolutely not true that he never claimed to be God. He claimed to be God, okay? And he even said that even the Pharisees knew it. And they said, for he, when he's on the cross, he said he's the son of God. Okay? He claimed to be God. I want to read some scriptures along those lines. John chapter 10, verse 36. So this is where Jesus claimed to be God. This is not all of them. This is a few of them. Say ye of him. This is Jesus in a discussion with the with the Pharisees who accused him of blasphemy. Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified, Jesus speaking of himself, and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. So he told, that's why they were so mad. That's why they were so furious at Jesus. John 13, 31, therefore when he was gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. John chapter 19, this is the Pharisees, again, his mock trial. And the Jews answered him. This is a very clear one. We have a law, and by our law, he ought to die. This is the Pharisees talking, because he made himself the son of God. That, you know why he ended up on the cross? He didn't end up on the cross because of miracles that he did. Now, we know he died for our sins. That's from God's point of view why he went to the cross. What was a man's point of view that put him on the cross and nailed him there? It wasn't because he did miracles. It wasn't even for the, the sermons he preached and raising the dead or walking on water or multiplying 
multiplying fish and loaves. He was put on the cross because he made himself the son of God. He claimed to be God in the flesh. He claimed to be before Abraham was, I am. That is the name of God, I am. He said, no doubt, we open with the scripture, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come unto you. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I want to say something. We're going to look a lot, and we have already today, and we're going to continue to look at a lot of scriptures from the Gospel of John, from First and Second John. But, and you say, why, why is that? And I know that you know these things, but there are four different Gospels written. Three were written about the same time, not too many years after Jesus died. The Gospel of John was written in 90 A.D., much after he was, he, you know, much after the other, many years after the other Gospels were written. And it was written specifically for one purpose, God-ordained purpose. And it was to, to correct errors that were already in the church by that time. By 90 AD, errors that were already in the church, like the Gnostics and so forth, that didn't believe Jesus was God in the flesh. Didn't believe God, Jesus, God was in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Okay, And so his gospel, more than any other gospels, reveals the deity of Christ, specifically things that speak of him being God in the flesh, more than the other gospels. 90% of the content of John... I did not know this till I was studying. 90% of the content of the Gospel of John is not found in the other Gospels. Doesn't mean it's wrong. It just He's highlighting different things than the other Gospels that the Lord wanted to, <clears throat> to highlight and to bring to bear at that time. So let's look at John chapter uh, 14. And I want you to read with me 7 through 11. If you, so, so Jesus had just son, said in verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, we're talking about being equal with God and God. Him being God and equal with God. There's a Godhead, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. So listen to what he's saying. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. So don't say he didn't claim to be God. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip said unto him, listen, Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Cannot say, nobody can honestly say that Jesus never claimed to be God. We're not looking at every scripture. We're looking at a lot of scriptures. You can never say that he never claimed to be God. He did claim to be God, and he was God and is God in the flesh. Amen? So, John, the whole gospel of written was written for this. John says, if, if all the miracles that Jesus did were written in books, 
He said the world couldn't contain the books and the volumes of books that would be written. So we have just the ones that are given to us in the scriptures, right? But these things, he says, are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through his name. I've written this gospel that God gave me, okay, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So I want you to turn with me to John chapter 1. Let's read verses 19 through 21. So the, the, Jew, the Jews came to John the Baptist out in the Judean wilderness by the Jordan River. The crowds came out there, but the Jews didn't come to believe. The Jews didn't come to be baptized, the, the, the hierarchy of the Jews. They came uh, to find out where all their people were and why they were going out in the wilderness. This is the record of John. That's John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? And he said, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. What do they mean, that prophet? I know that we've talked about it. Moses predicted and spoke, as God gave him, of that prophet. Back in Deuteronomy 18. We don't have time to read it. 18 verses 15 uh, and 8, I believe. 18. And it speaks of that prophet. That would be the prophet that God would send. That's Christ. It's speaking of Christ. And they asked John the Baptist, are you one of these other prophets? Are you that prophet that should come? He said very clearly, I'm not. Verse 27. <clears throat> and he speaks of Jesus. He it is coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoes latchets I am not worthy to unloose. Verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which was preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist was born. He was his cousin, right? But he says, John the Baptist knew exactly. He says, He was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize, that's the Lord, with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou seest the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw him bear record that this is the Son of God. When Jesus was at the, the well in Samaria, and he has this encounter. He knew he was going to have the encounter. But he had this encounter with the Samaritan woman. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, right? But God had a plan and had a desire to, to make himself known to this woman and to bring her out of her sin and bring revival to that place. So he goes and he has this, this meeting with the woman at the middle of, in the middle of the day at Jacob's well in Samaria. The, the disciples are off getting food for lunch. And the woman said unto him in their conversation, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. We hear that, we hear that word Messiah and Christ. 
the, the definition of Messiah is Christ. That's the one word definition beside Messiah is Christ. The definition for Christ is expounds just slightly more and it says the anointed one. That's it. The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And the woman said, well, I know that, you know, we all know that one day the Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. You know what Jesus said unto her? Well, you, you just sit tight and he's going to come. No, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Yeah, that's pretty clear, right? He didn't just leave everything in just vague, mysterious types of things. He said, Philip, have, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? He tells a Samaritan woman, and she says, we know the Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. Jesus said, I'm him. The one that's talking to you right now, it's me. God wants us to know, Amen. He wants us to know what we believe and why we believe it. And, he want, and we need to be sure of that. And I'm bringing this to a close this morning. But God wants us to know what we believe. He wants us to know in whom we have believed. He wants us to know why we believe it. Why do you believe that Jesus is Christ? Why do you believe he's the unique, only begotten of the Father who came to die for the sins of the world? God wants us to know why we believe that he's equal with the Father and eternal. You know, he's eternally the Son. He was eternally the Son. As far back as you could go back in time, he's eternally the Son. The Word was made flesh 2,000 years ago about. But he's always been the Son. Does it blow our minds? It does mine. But I believe. I believe it. I know the Scriptures and I can go to it and we can hold to it and we can believe in it. We're not believing some fable we're not believing some made-up, man-made uh, religion that's propped up with a bunch of lies and people that wear certain clothes and robes and hierarchy of people. We're believing in Christ, the Son of God. He is our foundation. Jesus claimed to be God. This would have been blasphemy if he was not. He claimed powers and attributes belonging only to God, which would have been blasphemy if they weren't his powers and attributes to start with. So I'm going to read a couple more scriptures before we close. In John chapter 8, well, John 16, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. John 17, 5. And now, O Father, this is his prayer with his disciples around him. O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee, before the world was. Jesus Christ had the glory of God because he was God and is God before the world was and eternity passed. He set aside some of that glory when he became a man and he died for our sins and he's saying, Lord, return that glory to me. And God's answer to him was, I have glorified thee and I'm going to glorify you. Okay? That's the Father's answer. One more scripture. I love this. They were arguing back and forth and say, you're not, you're not 50 years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. I said, now we know you have a devil. They're blaspheming right and left. Well, now we know you have a devil. You're not even 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That is the name of God. Okay? Abraham rejoiced to see the day of the Lord. Amen. And he saw it. We haven't followed 
cunningly devised fables. We haven't, when we made, Peter said, we made known to you the appearing and coming of the Lord. He says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. When did this happen? When they're on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John were there in a cloud. You know, they, they, Elijah and Moses were standing there by Jesus talking, having some conversation. This is before Jesus went to the cross. Maybe it was about that. I don't know. And Peter, wow, this is something. <laughs> this is amazing. Lord, we're going to make three memorials. One for Elijah, one for Moses, one for you. We're going to put three little statues here to commemorate this wonderful event. God took care of that in a hurry. A big cloud overshadowed them. They couldn't see anything. And there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And the cloud lifted and all they saw was Jesus only. It's not Elijah. Thank God for Elijah. It's not Moses. Thank God for Moses. It's Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. There's no equal. Nothing to compare to Jesus Christ. We believe our, our whole life, y'all, and our whole eternity is based upon not a religion. It's based upon a person, so to speak. You understand what I, when I say person, what I mean? Based upon Jesus Christ. It's based upon him. It, it's either real or it's false. It's based upon him. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 3, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Just picture that. You're dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. That's where we are now as believers since we've been born again. It's all about Jesus. It's founded upon him. His, what he's done, who he is, his power, his mercy. I'm closing with one scripture and one quote. You can turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. You're going to recognize this pretty quickly. Ephesians 2, verses 19 and 20. Speaking to the church. Now, therefore, you... Now, Therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon what? Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, what was the foundation of the apostles and prophets? Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I say that in closing today because I, you, you, can't, you can't overdo when it comes to talking about Jesus and his deity. You can have a false Jesus. You can make up and give to him qualities and attributes that don't belong to him, and it'd be a false Jesus. But you can't overvalue or estimate Jesus Christ. Our lives right now today sit in this church, it's all based upon Jesus. If this is false, then we're of all men most miserable, okay? We're all of all men most miserable. But if it's true, which it is, we're of all men most absolutely blessed. I'm closing with a quote in a book that I was studying. Dee, you can come on up. Theologians and philosophers and poets have written about Christ one way or the other, often forgetting that our concept of him cannot be overestimated because what he is determines what Christianity is, which stands and falls on him. It stands in all that he is 
and in himself is the, comp, is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. And I, I, I would say amen to that. The whole Christian faith stands upon Jesus being who this book reveals him to be. If any of it's not true, then let's get up and walk out and go fishing. Let's go do something else today. If it's not true, it all is based upon Christ. The testimony and the record that God gave of his son. And the record that he God gave of his son, and we looked at one portion of it this morning, is that he's God in the flesh. Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning. Just going to worship the Lord. The altar's open. I would say just come and adore the Lord this morning. I would say come. And if you've had any other estimation of Christ other than him being God in the flesh, then we need to ask God to forgive us and make that straight in our hearts and minds and spirits. Father.